Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. I'll start off by saying I'm bored, I'm broke, and I'm back. <laughs> I think we should we we gotta do we gotta get into the song parody game. That's really where the that's where the money's made. Where like, it is? You think, yeah, you know, like um, like we, we could be like the Howard Stern guys where they do all the song parodies. Oh yeah, just song, yeah. Just songs about how we haven't podcasted in a really long time. <laughs> um, we did do a podcast and then, you know, life gets in the way and we weren't able to put that one out. So, um. You know, this is this is mostly uh, we'll play a little catch up today here on the Cult of Cult podcast. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. It's been it's been. Would you say it's been a minute, Gumby? It, it's been a minute. What what people don't understand is that we actually had two podcasts that we recorded but couldn't put on. One we talked we had a whole one about quarterbacks, and the next That's day right. we picked up Carson Wentz out of nowhere. Yeah, like you That's had right. it you had it finished about to let it out and then yeah. we were like signed caution once it was like well that was a whole day ruined it was actually if i remember correctly two and a half whole podcast because we did yeah like at least 20 to 25 minutes and i was like uh-oh i forgot to hit record which is just like a classic <laughs> podcast guy thing you know um level of professionalism that we are accustomed to here on the sb nation podcast greater podcasting network um i I hope you all haven't gone too far away we still have been putting stuff up on the channel mostly courtesy of our friends over at the nfc east mixtape rj ochoa and blg brandon lee gowden they they those guys they do not stop um we love them i love i love it And, and we've been going crazy on the twitter that's right yes yes we are a twitter account with a podcast connected to it um Certainly, that has been our MO, and you've helped sustain us and um, as our director of social media. Uh, Thank you very course, much. Uh, you've, you've really, I think, you've really done a pretty bang-up job on, uh, on, on engaging, just, you know, engaging with the folks, also shouting into the void whether or not anyone is responding or even acknowledging us. I mean, I think that... Um, it takes a certain set of skills to sort of just like say, you know, I don't really, I don't really give a darn. Uh, I, I'm a man with a certain set of skills. Yeah, whether or not people are are picking up what I'm throwing down, um, but I don't know. Some folks seem to be picking up what, what we're throwing down. <laughs> we've got almost, we've got 339 followers. So take that, Elon. I'm, I'm all about it, and the fact with those 339 followers, people are getting engaged in what we say. And if that's not more important than anything else, I don't know what is. Yeah, that's true. 
Um, so I suppose, you know, we, we awaken from our off-season slumber here at a fairly, um, fairly relevant and opportune time. Um, today was one of those big days uh, out in Ashburn. Or, well, know, more in D.C. Yeah, I guess this is a D.C. thing. Um, yeah. I've been spending more time out in that direction, the Ashburn direction, with, with wedding planning festivities. But, uh, yeah, today was squarely a D.C. day. Um, I, I mean, hopefully we can get this out quick enough that everyone knows what we're talking about. But in the event that you are visiting us from the future and you're going through and listening to the entire back catalog of the Cult of Cult, first of all, seek Thank professional, you. Seek professional <laughs> help. Um <laughs> Gummy, do you want to sort of give the the lowdown of of sort of where we're at here today? Well, the uh, wonderful oversight committee uh, has, of course, decided they want to do a lot of research into all of the testimonies that have been popping up, and they did their own report <clears throat> on the Dan Snyder sexual harassment, toxic work environment that's been going on at Ashburn pretty much since Dan Snyder started. Um, and then to add to it, there was an extra allegation from 2019 that dropped this morning that the oversight committee and everyone that was talking didn't even really have time to bring up. There's a whole nother allegation that popped up this morning. Uh, that's, that's all new, but in that process, it was all these reports that they try to put together from the Washington post articles, from social media, from all those, uh, people who testified with evidence of what they were able to find out about how toxic this environment was. And they actually had uh, Roger Goodell pop up and even give a, a an introductory uh, response to what he was believing in the NFL. Dan Snyder, of course, hid in uh, France right now on his yacht because he's a coward. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. There was Roger Goodell, and they went through all the things that happened, the – the congressmen fought amongst each other whether they should be doing. It was a, it was a big show today, but more importantly is what we were able to solidify on what we found out. Most of the items that have come to press over the last few years to over the last few months have found to have been very credible. I think is mm-hmm. is is important to understand, and that in this time frame. The, the the big pull was that the commanders, Dan Snyder, Roger Goodell, and the NFL all knew what was happening. And Roger Goodell used that shield to shield the commanders and Dan Snyder from further issues. Yeah, I think, you know, when we, th- when we look at sort of like where we're at today um... – you know, a couple of things stand out in my mind. So you're right. There was this this uh, very extensive report put together by the um, the Congressional Oversight Committee, um, Carol Maloney, um, sort of running point as as like a sort of a, a very vocal figure. And yeah, you know, like there was some some jousting, of course, but like. Some amount of what we what came out of this today was, um, and what are our key takeaways? Much, a lot of it was stuff that we already knew. So it was sort of a bit of a rehashing of 
public reporting, put together just really diligent reporting over the course of the past, mm, I don't know, year or two, particularly by the folks at the Washington Post. And those were um, – those that reporting, I think, served as a lot of the primary documentation um, for the basis of the report, the written report that was put out today. Um, obviously, today, Roger Goodell doing what he is paid – tens of millions of dollars to do, which is to fall on the sword on the behalf of the, of the owners. Um, you know, it's like, wow, like, you know, he, he went out there and he like really looked like a, like an, like an ass, but it's like, that is literally his job is that, to go out there and look like job. an ass so that the owners don't have to go out there and look like an ass. Like that's, that is what they are paying him. Oh, he's being and compensated. Dan Snyder is an ass. So he would have definitely come off as an ass. Right. So, um, you know, there that testimony coming from Goodell today, and you know, it's like he is a like a very concerned man. You know, like that's his whole aura. He's like, well, this is deeply concerning to me. It's like, all right, asshole. Like, we we understand that you're there to be a human shield. Um, I think he he didn't. There wasn't like a condemnation per se of. Yeah. Dan Snyder. I mean, there was, I think, a, an acknowledgement, perhaps a begrudging acknowledgement that, like, things were inappropriate, which is, like, not a controversial take at this point. And, frankly, the team has admitted as much. Like, he didn't say anything that the team has not publicly messaged, you know? N- not Dan Snyder himself, but no, the but team like, at some point has... Team statements yeah, around wave saying that the not the last two years, but the previous 20 years, had some issues that they got past. Sure. There was, yeah, there was a lot of, like, (laughs) it's very funny because the parallels that I see here, I did, um, I wrote, we're going to go off on a tangent here, in in college, I had a tendency of, like, writing a lot of papers about sports, even for classes that, like, weren't really even sports related. I was like, oh, well, I can... (laughs) I can write about baseball if it's within the context of architecture. Like you know, I've, I pulled some of that. One of the one of the things that I did a, a decent amount of research on was the um, the Mitchell hearings. Like, Congress, oh yeah, yeah, the um, steroids in Congress and you know, George Mitchell. And I just I think back to very famously um, Mark McGuire, who over and over and over again in those in those hearings was talking. I'm, I'm not here to talk about the past. I'm not here to talk about the past. And I think that what we saw today, I really have sort of seen in similar messaging, is like, well, like we're really not here to talk about the past. We will acknowledge that like maybe things could have been handled differently. However, you know, like, you know, the past is the past. And we're not really here to talk about that. Well, let me jump in there. So you, for 20 years, you run this toxic organization that is filled with this horrible way of treating people, treating women like trash, people who weren't falling in line like utter trash, players like trash. For yeah. years and years and years, you, you just ran the gauntlet on this whole thing, ruined people's lives, ruined their ability to make money, ruined their careers, changed, just ruined people, ran through them. And then when they tried to stand up to you, you knocked them down, used your money, had people follow them. You... 
then you, at the same time, through all of that situation, you would go in the press because they signed an NDA saying that you, you you can't say anything about me and turn around and say sh- shit about them, saying they're horrible people, they lied, they don't know what they're talking about, they just want my money. All these horrible things that they did for 20-plus years and go, hey, guys, I know that we, you know, we're know we serial rapists. We raped a lot of people back in the day, but we're good now because we stopped a year and a half ago. What? You're supposed to just get get away from that and be and let that go? Now, side note, the, what, there's no been no rape allegations at this no, point no, in time no. with the commanders. I want to make sure I say that. But still, I was using an example. Sure. What, what I'm saying in this situation is that you, you can't walk away from the past – until you address it, until you finish taking care of what happened in the past, and you have, at that point in time, been resolved of those issues. These issues have not been resolved. Dan Snyder has not been taken to court in any way possible about these things. He is guilty of some of these things, if not all of these things, in some way, shape, or form. And he wants to be like, let's forget to happen. Let's move on. That is not how it works. No, there's very much a desire. It's like they want to be like, well, let's forgive and forget. And it's not that they actually don't even know that they're asking for forgiveness. They're mostly just asking like, well, we need to move on. Like we're in a new culture. Like the, the things are different here. And, you know, there was that letter today that the team put out to its employees basically saying like, you know, we acknowledge it wasn't even acknowledged. Like people have been saying a lot of mean things about us, but like yes. here's all the stuff that we're doing good. And it was, I mean, I wouldn't expect anything less, really. Like that was, it's like, well, you know, we've got, we've got, uh, we're hiring sort of minorities, and we're trying to be a little bit more open-minded and. You know, like we hired Jennifer King, and you know, we got Jason Wright, and it's like we're we've turned over a new leaf. John Wayne Gacy was a clown for children and then would kill people at night. Great. You're doing good things. Doesn't mean you're not a horrible organization. You're, you're here for uh, for John Wayne Gacy chat where we'll be taking your calls. Uh, Sorry, that was, a, that was a clowns, good example of saying killers. how you can't them. do those two things. You can say, I did all these good things. I picked up an old lady and helped her get across the street. But then I went over and did this just because you did something good doesn't mean that you should be forgiven for all the bad things that you did. Second problem with that is, is that they keep pushing this part. It was a different front office. So they're like, it's yeah, it's like all those fr- guys are gone. They're, oh, they're gone. gone. So like, you know, we're, wait, we're in the clear here. And it's like, wait, well, isn't Dan Snyder still the owner? Isn't right. the, the mastermind behind it all still there? And then I love the Rod Gradell moment. I'm unaware of Dan Snyder being in, still being a part of the organization. Unaware? Isn't that your damn job to be aware? Yeah. I mean, you know, ultimately, and, you know, it's not going to shock anyone that the conclusion really is like the fish rots from the head. Uh, The things, though, in terms of like actual practical things that we learned through this report and through the testimony today, and there were a couple that I thought were particularly sort of notable. Again, much of it stuff that we had seen through that reporting in the Washington Post. Um, There was put together by the team. They were basically running a, what? how do they refer to it, like a shadow investigation. 
um, because of a consent agreement between the league and the team. So, okay, let's take a step back because it's a little bit hard. So much, so much time has passed and so many things have gone on. It's, it's a little bit hard to remember some of the fundamentals, which I, in reading the report, and if you care enough to be listening to the Cult of Cult podcast here on Hogshaven, um, you probably will will get something out of reading this thing. And it's like, you know, it's not football and it's not fun, but like if you care enough about the Washington but the commanders, you're going to just just read it. Um, you know, it's 28 pages and it's got a lot of footnotes and there are pictures in it, so it really should only take you, I mean, I don't know what your reading comprehension is, but just read the, read the report. But one of the things that I had candidly kind of filed away and forgotten was that originally the Wilkinson investigation was commissioned by the team to say, we are going to investigate ourselves. And if now, if memory serves, I think you and I sat here behind these same microphones and said, well, that's a load of bullshit. <laughs> How are you going to investigate yourself? And the league basically thought, said like, gave a tacit thumbs up to say like, okay, whatever, you know, like you're fine. That's, that's fine. Like if, if you can do, if you can pull this off, and have it not blow up in your face, then we'll be okay with it. Ultimately, though, the league commandeered that report and that investigation to say, and because they received credible information that said that the that the team can't be trusted to investigate themselves. Now, why it took them some indeterminate amount of time and some indeterminate amount of information to come to that conclusion is preposterous. 100% totally preposterous. Totally. But so then, you know, the league takes over the investigation. They take over sort of running point on it. But because of some, you know, legal wrangling and ultimately a tacit pat on the back by the league, they allowed Dan Snyder and the team the ability to get status updates functionally on what the, what the now in control or controlled by the NFL what that what the investigation what the turns of the investigation were taking that they had absolutely had full access to the information that was being found out almost in real time so they then they the the Washington football team at the time launch a parallel shadow investigation based on the information that they were receiving from this other investigation that they themselves had started and then ceded control from to Roger Goodell and sort of his Gestapo, like, he... Roger Goodell wants to just own the police department. That's really what he... <laughs> that's, like, really what he wants to do. He just wants to be, like, uh, like, uh, like, Sipowitz from NYPD Blue. He just wants to be telling guys, like, to go hit the streets or whatever. So, you know, and at the same time, he's, like, under, trying to while the league is doing this investigation that again Washington the football team then had started originally they were using that information to guide their efforts to discredit the report and also at the same time they were taking that information and setting up private investigators to harass the people that were involved in the investigation right right that and that part to me i mean it's it's hard to say. Well, that part's particularly galling because like it's all particularly galling. But what 
I, I real I mean, one of the things that we learned through all of this was that the team was basically putting together like a an enemies list and had an a hundred page PowerPoint of everyone who had wronged them or they were suspicious of as part of this effort. And it's just like that's that's like some real like fascist like that's some that excuse my language, that's some crazy shit. It really is. It totally is. I mean, that that is not the th- something that. I mean, really, none of this is something that an no. innocent man. But it was would a hundred-page PowerPoint. Yeah, and you can go see it. It's detailed. It's, yeah, yeah, except it's for what's redacted. Except but, for yeah, there's lots of it that's redacted. But like, but it's a hundred pages. It's in there. Someone put together a hundred-page PowerPoint of just people that they wanted to silence. And information about how they want to silence them and what they've said. Yeah, who's connected to who? Who's following who on social media? Like tracking, some you know a former employee, and that name has been redacted in the reports. Like what their phone records were and who they, who, you know, who else did they contact? Like all their social media that they did. Yep. Who, who? What were they liking? What were they commenting on? Like that to me is as far away from the ostensible operations of a football team <laughs> as one could humanly imagine that's something that like a secret police is responsible for doing and that how do those two things shouldn't ever really be in the same sentence right no but they, they were spending so much time the owner people in the front office uh security to find out all this information about these people that are saying bad things how could they also be taking care of a football team? Right. You can't. You no. fundamentally can't. He cared. Dan Snyder cared more about getting revenge on the people that are saying bad things about him, that he did bad things too, per this report, than what was going on in the field. Hence why for the last 22 years, our team hasn't done anything. Yeah, I mean, well, Dan Snyder has lots of money to burn and, like, has always proven himself to be kind of a litigious dick and just, like, loves using the courts or trying to, you know, threaten people using legal repercussions. The other thing I think that I took away that was new information was um, the testimony of the team's former chief operating officer, David Palkin, Um that was, I believe, relatively new. If and I don't, I mean, again, like it's so hard to stay up on every little twist and turn of all of this thing. The, that like again, another person filed an accusation this morning. Right. So there's another turn. Like, but continue. So the things you know, he um, he did not he did not pull any punches um, in sort of implicating and sort of saying like what was negative about his experience um he said that uh that dan snyder used to just like drag him up to the owner's box and just like belittle him in front of his buddies um and a lot of this again like you know we had our friend of the podcast melanie coburn on the you know on on the episode uh, a couple months ago just like his his fixation with like the cheerleader stuff as yeah yep. and look I, you know 
I people are gonna want to say, well, why do I have cheerleaders in the first place? And like, we're not gonna relitigate that here. Like, we had a really good conversation about like how important that, what that experience meant to the women who were a part of that team. And you know, it's like a real. It, it, kind of it was like, a phenomenal experience until it wasn't. Yeah, kind of a real lunk-headed take to be like, well, they shouldn't even be there in the first place. Like, well, okay. You can believe that, I suppose, but, like, you also, at the same time, have to acknowledge, like, if you're going to, like, they, they, they don't deserve to be harassed and demeaned. It, it wasn't their fault. No. They didn't do anything wrong. They, they were a cheerleading organization, a part of the, the, the Washington football team slash Redskins. They didn't do anything wrong. No. They didn't ask to do have these things happen to them. Well, and, you know, Pauk, he shared some personal anecdotes that, like, were really... You know, it's just like so juvenile that it's just it's it's like a caricature of what you think like a a bully is. You know, he he um, on more than one occasion called David Palkin to the owner's box just to like belittle him in front of his buddies. And I guess there is some I'm going to quote here. He said that. This was, um, he routinely was insulted about the attractiveness of the Washington cheerleaders and to say that the COO was, so Snyder said that the COO was responsible for how the women looked and that how somehow linked to his, Palkin's, sexuality. Quote, Mr. Snyder remarked to a friend, hey, do you think Dave is gay? And this is from testimony. Yeah. And his friend would say, yeah, he must be gay. And Dan would say, yeah, he has to be gay. As ugly as those cheerleaders are, Palkin, are you gay? You must be gay. How could you have a cheerleading squad that look like this? Like This is this is coming from a guy that looks like a, a troll. Little Danny I, I looks mean, like a little tiny troll, like, and he's going to call people ugly? I just like... Like, he, he can barely put his hands over the counter. But let alone, like... the. Why is he doing this to these people? What a what a jerk! What like why do this? Why have these people working for you? Why 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 do this to them? Why 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 this hatred? Why this bullying? Why this constantly across the board? Do you need to do this to feel like a human being? Yeah, there was also the test. There's you know the other anecdote that he shared um, was around. I guess Snyder invited him and some other employees from the team to, to go to the 2001 final four that Maryland was playing the national championship yeah. and like, you know, set him up. I had like girls there and like all this other stuff. And there was a lot of cavorting and um, it's like, well, I remember that time very, very fondly. I was like 10. Um, but the thing that jumped out to me in all that was like, it's like, wow, this has been going a long time. This, like, went on for a long yeah, time. Yeah, for a very long time. So in 2001, Dan Snyder, I guess, had owned the team for... Two or three years? years, yeah. yeah. And he was 36 years old. No one, no one, first of all, no one should ever have that much money, period. Hard stuff. No. It's immoral. But it's like, oh... He was 36. He was just like, like a like we know 36 year olds like they're dicks. They just don't happen to have hundreds of millions of dollars, right? <laughs> like, billion, billion over two billion dollars at the time. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, the whole thing taken in its entirety, 
um, really, you know, both supplements but reinforces to me just like where, where, where we're at. Um, and I, I don't, I don't have at this point a lot of optimism, even in light of all of this, that from like an organizational standpoint, very much can change. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, Roger Goodell hasn't really had to testify in front of Congress because of any other owners. But I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are just in terms of like, how, how, for what reason do you think the NFL is willing and the owners and whatever else are like willing to continue to put up with all of this? Well, let me jump in on saying what it'll actually take for them to do something about it. How about I go in that direction? So sure. right now the NFL is considered a trust mm-hmm. and being a part of that trust, which is given to them from Congress, they're allowed to be a trust with, with no other actual rules, regulations. They're, they're an unregulated trust. The Congress has approved them for, so they can kind of do and make their own rules and no one bothers them. The thing is, at any point in time, Congress can take that away. And if Congress were to take that trust away, now there's a lot more taxes, there's a lot more this, there's a lot more that, a lot more regulations. Millions of dollars is available to be lost, if not a lot of problems and a lot more competition in the world of football because of this trust. The only way I think that the NFL and the owners – will actually do anything about Dan Snyder is if they feel that Congress is going to take this trust away, this golden goose that gives them this shield that they can act under. But the question is why he's a black mark on the league. He's a stain on the league. He's a stain on their reputation. He, he actively makes them look worse than they already are. So what is, in your mind, what's the point in even having him there? Because if you start getting rid of people, then you set a precedent on what it would take to be gotten rid of. Yeah. And yeah. that's what their problem is, is yeah. that there's a bunch of billionaires sitting in a room who are like, uh, I could be next. And nobody there cares about this. They yeah. care about their money and they care about their power. And the only way they're going to get rid of Dan Snyder is if they know that their money and power are going to be okay. And Dan Snyder, as you already said, loves to suit people. And we already have seen it. He loves to give away information for no apparent reason. Yeah. And he would be the guy to do that. So they're a little weird about him and they don't want to set a precedent on what it takes to be removed as an owner. I am, I am generally, um, generally in agreement with sort of part of that take which is to say like if they if he's on the outs like he could a make life very miserable for them but b like it would force them to have to hold a mirror up yeah you know the league basically forced jerry richardson out of owning the carolina panthers for far less than this so it's just like there's some there's just some amount of reconciling this that it just makes it really hard for me to 
I can't wrap my head around the idea that he's a net positive to the league in such a way that um, that they're willing to keep him around. And like you know what, and it may have even been at some time between when we last spoke and now. But you know there was one of the trickle of 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 information that kind of came out was around um, that Dan was or Dan vis-a-vis his finance folks were skimping money off of yeah. off of like concert tickets and sort of like college football games being held because it didn't have to be revenue shared. I mean, part of me is like, well, if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm just sending him a Venmo for the amount of money that like he he took out of my pocket, right? But at the same time like it just like it's all so bad. Like what is I don't and I don't think there's an answer to this. And if you have one, then you know, God, God bless you. But like, <laughs> what's the what's the end game in keeping him around? What is the end game? Because like, there is never going to be a day where everybody's like, well, like there isn't there isn't a dance night. It, it, it redemption keeps the eyes there. off of the rest of the teams. If you have this horrible human being who just keeps making these horrible decisions, and all the bad news goes to him, and I do something wrong but it's better than what he did, yeah. my news is going to disappear fast. Because you can always cynical. rely on... It, it, oh, 100%. And you can constantly rely on Danny to make another mistake. It's incredibly cynical. They're You know, the way that they, they use Roger Goodell as a meat shield. Like, you're right. Oh, they're kind of yeah. using Dan Snyder as a meat shield, too. Right? And, and, like, and here's the other part. And there's the part that kills me right now. It, that Dan Snyder, right now, if he were to sell the Washington Commanders, like everyone wants him to do, would make around $5 billion. Right. And he could walk away. If someone said to me at any point in time in my life, if I could make $5 billion and walk away and just disappear after being through all of this, his ego... You'd his never hear dis- from me again. Never again. Yeah, for I, way I, less. No, way less. for much less. But his ego, his desire to have this power, and his absolute, absolute must to be in control of this team, his... That's what he wants. He wants to be the owner of the Washington Commanders. Yeah. He wants to say, I have that, because no one else can say it. He doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about the fans. He doesn't care about anything but himself and his power and what he can do with it. That's what he cares about. Yeah, well, I think we're going to find what the limits are on all of that because you know they they did uh today establish that they are looking to subpoena him um to appear before congress you know there is some precedence with rich and powerful people of ignoring those subpoenas i mean if you do that that is a a crime um absolutely and you can be brought up on charges for defying a subpoena of congress um so, you know, it's it's sort of is like I was I've never really been a soap opera guy. Like I wasn't like an as the world turns uh, or days of our lives or whatever, but it's just like, well, next week on the Washington Commanders, <laughs> like So, you know, there's there's more to come on this. Um there's always more to come. There's always more to come, but I I, I want to bring up one more thing. And, yeah. and this was important. This came from the Commanders today. Okay, yep. The Washington Commanders came out with their 
write up in essence saying um, a letter of the organization saying, hey, guys, in the last two years, we've changed. We're a better organization. We're, we're, we're better for ourselves. We're better for our fans. We're better for everybody. So let's take a minute and think about how this organization has acted in the last two years. Now, yes, we've heard less information about or less accusations of sexual harassment. That doesn't mean it's not toxic. Um, sure. Those people he ruined over all that time should not be forgotten, including uh, a lot of the players. But remember the last two years, we had the wonderful, wonderful moment of the Sean Taylor incident where they had three days to put together something, and they actually had his whole family stay in front of a bunch of Porta Johns. That was horrifying, where Patrick Holmes' brother was doing a dance on Sean Taylor's number because it was the VIP area put together by the Washington Commanders. That was just – and then you never gave us as fans an opportunity to say goodbye to Sean Taylor the way we would wanted to. You did that. You had an entire changing of a name that you – was a farce that you lied to us about that we – none of us wanted, Commanders. It was the lowest in the polls almost the entire time. And then you come out on the Today Show in New York and make the announcement in the saddest like, way possible. To add to that, you have an owner who has been asked not to be a part of the organization making the announcement in front of a big sign that says 222 that no one wanted to see in front of it. Then, as a toxic organization, you try to use D.C., Maryland, and Virginia to fight each other over a stadium. You put out these beautiful pictures of these beautiful stadiums that are probably two, three, four billion dollars. Then you come out and say, oh, sorry, guys, we had 90,000 fans. We're down to 70,000 fans. And don't worry, with a new stadium, we're going to be at 55,000, the smallest stadium in the league, which wasn't the stadium that they're touting around on Twitter and social media. They're talking about trying to put together maybe 800, maybe a billion-dollar stadium. They're trying to get Virginia to pay for it, who said pretty much piss off. Yeah, screw you. This is all part of this toxic organization that Dan has, is pushing. So then to add to that, people came out and said, what about this report? Now, even though reports was done about two years ago, Danny Boyd at any point in time could have come out and said, you know what, guys, here we go. I'm going to be a good person. Now that we say we've, we've turned the corner, he just kept fighting the report, fighting the report, fighting the report, fighting Congress, fighting these accusations, fighting everything, and at no point in time doing anything positive – for this organization. So, so, and then you hurt these people with these NDAs and never gave them an opportunity to defend them while you're in on social media sending out all these things saying, you're a bad person, you were wrong, you're a liar, you're a liar, but oh, don't say anything about me because I have an NDA that's going to get you. All this is in the last two years. Then to add to it, you decide in the last two years to leak the uh, you've been accused of leaking the Gruden emails yourself. It's already come out that it came from the commanders. Right. The Gruden emails came from the commanders. What started all of this to come back came from within the building itself in the last two years. You're telling me these things aren't toxic? You you tell me the last two years you've changed? All we're hearing is that yeah, 
you may have been less sexually harassing people, but that toxic environment is still there. That way of thinking is still there. Then, to add to all that, something that you and I have experienced ourselves, what happened? As we started saying bad things about the commanders and, and Dan Snyder, we started getting attacked by Twitter bots. That's true. We're all we did. Part, we, we, got, did. we got Danny botted. We for sure did. You can go back and look at our numerous mentions. Time, yeah. Numerous times. It's pretty uh, funny. It's hysterical. Yeah. And we're getting Twitter botted. But yeah. if you didn't do anything wrong, if you have changed your organization, if you're not toxic anymore, if you changed your leaf, why? We're yelling in the wind. We have 300 something followers. <laughs> we're not we're, we're not two million people talking strong. We have no. a podcast. We do fine. But who the hell are we? But you took the time to not only go after the people that were higher than us, the people that were saying stuff still. You went after us. Yeah. Personally. That shows how little, how toxic, how much you still care, and how much you still want to be in control, and how nothing's actually changed. So yeah. wear your little Leatherman jacket and hang out and understand we can't be a better organization. We can't be a winning team until he is gone. I say winning like Super Bowls and stuff. You probably get like an over 500 record. Yeah, and you know, if if we're, we're defining our terms a little bit, right? Um, the things that were detailed in those Washington Post articles, the things that, um, you know, Megan and Emily and, and uh, sort of all these other women. Melanie. And, uh, Melanie, of course, like went through. That's toxic, right? Us getting brigaded by bots on Twitter, like that's that's like it's not great, right? I oh. would say that. Oh, it's, Clearly, it's nowhere near there. But when when we're defining our terms in terms of like what does a toxic culture look like? Clearly, they had one. I, you know, I have a hard time believing that it is markedly better. It's certainly still rotten. Oh yeah, it's still rotten. It's not. It's not a fine, upstanding organization that lives its values if and so far as they can be deciphered at all. So I mean. Look, I we're going to have to keep on, you know, like whether or not we want to, like the only way out is through. Right. Yeah. I mean, or out, you know, if you can, you, you could quit. We keep we keep pushing for out. We keep yeah. pushing him to get out. Yeah. So I don't I don't really know where this all leads. Um, part of me is very is both. um is frustrated that this is the type of thing that we now have to spend, you know, the first two thirds of our ostensibly football related podcast talking about, like we haven't really talked about football. We haven't talked about all. OTAs. We haven't talked no. about Terry McLaurin. We haven't talked about Jack Del Rio. We haven't talked. No, about we haven't talked about Jack Del Rio, which is Coach like, Ron, like oh holy God. shit. Like the, the stuff that, that people sign up for when they say like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna host a a a podcast about my 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 favorite football team." Like, this isn't the stuff that you sign up for, really. Like, for, no, you know, ninety percent of the time. Um, not to say there are any organizations that are all you know that are saints, um, even the literal saints. Like, they <laughs> uh, they they kind of suck too, but. It's just I, I want to like, be like the Eagles right now and just getting mad because they don't like their new logo. Like yeah, that, that that's what I be. That's what I want to be mad at. Yeah, something that I'll get over in about twenty minutes. I want to be. I want to be. I just. I want to be like 
arguing about whether or not Tony Pollard is better than <laughs> Zeke Elliott, right? Like that's the, yeah. I mean, that's well, the silly stuff, but that's the fun stuff. It's right? the fun, or what if this is a good one? I actually had this conversation yesterday. What would happen if uh, Carson Wentz had Taylor Heineke's heart, like mm-hmm. in football? Mm-hmm. Like what a quarterback that would be. Yeah. Like that. This is the stuff I want. This is what I want to talk about. Right. And it's silly, and we acknowledge it, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're still listening, like, you're a part of it, and you get it. But, you know, look, it is as as folks who at this point are invested, you know, we've been invested for a long time. Um, we pay attention, you know, we talk about it because, for better or for worse, like, we kind of care. Um, as hard as they make it to care, we we continue to do it and absolutely so you know hopefully at at there will be a day when this stuff is a uh, is in the rearview mirror i mean i'm not going to hold my breath i'm not going on a hunger strike um i they'll outlast me but yep. you know um i think we we are going to continue to stay on top of this um i'm encouraged by the fact that there are people who had so much courage and bravery to sort of speak out and, and point out things that they knew were wrong and um, not let them skate by and not push them under the rug and not try to, to you know, hide them despite the best efforts of some, some rich and powerful folks. And um, it's a bummer that it is something that otherwise should be a lot of fun and, yeah. you know, it's just, like, not nearly as fun as it ought to be um, to have to sort of read through congressional testimony. I mean, look, I love my, oh. I love me a good congressional report. I like reading, <laughs> reading through footnotes. But at the end oh. of the day, you know, really was kind of hoping when we sign up for this that it would be a football podcast, not a, not a litigation podcast. I'd rather podcast. read playbooks than yeah. congressional hearings. Yeah. Uh, should we take a quick break? Quick break. Yeah, we'll hop in, and uh, I think we should talk Terry next. I think so, too. So in light of, of all of that, um, capital A, capital O, capital T, um, I'm curious, you know, we are in a very um, – kind of a quiet time in the football calendar we're post-draft we're pre-training camp um about five weeks before training camp yeah this is like the quiet time um i'm i'm curious though we i think maybe have talked a little bit about this in the past but like at this time of the year how much are you paying attention to the ostensibly like the football related side of stuff like what's what's your level of engagement with otas with contract things with like sort of like the the like what what's it going to look like come opening day side of things well I'll start with the otas uh the, the the big thing about the otas is the o they are optional guys yes they are optional so if they're optional people don't have to be there uh terry chase chase obviously still hurt out there no, no big deal but if you ever were to take an opportunity to actually watch the OTAs and the, the little mini camp that happens, they aren't hitting each other. They're, they're just running some routes. They're kind of touching each other. They're high. 
Except for the hundred thousand dollars that Ron had to pay for something that happened at during training camp. Yeah, but, yet another thing that we didn't get a chance to oh. talk about because like that would be a whole topic of conversation, but like just like the dumbassery that we've seen from from like the coaching and football operations side of things. Like I suppose we'll let them slide because there are only so many hours in a, in a day. Yeah, and, and we can't, we can only yell at the wall so long. That's right. But with OT, OTAs, it's it's very relaxed. It's just people getting themselves back in shape, learn the playbook a little bit, and and you never hear anyone say anything about the OTAs except their players are doing great. It's always very positive. Yeah. So yeah, the the Twitter OTA Twitter is like the most sicko shit that exists. It's just like wow, like. Carson Wentz and Jahan Dotson are really establishing a connection. Like they just they just connected on a seventy yard bomb. It's like these guys are wearing shorts, right? Like you're basically that would be like if I went out to the park and started tweeting about it, like kids who are just like hucking a football around and talking about it as though there was something to extrapolate there. And every also don't do that. I won't. I've <laughs> legally legally I'm not permitted to. Anymore, so. Um, Every every it's not a Washington specific thing, but like every market has breathless OTA tweeting oh. about like uh oh like Carson Wentz threw three interceptions in practice today. It's like they're they're in they're in shorts. They're in shorts, and the the defense, the defense can't touch anybody. Right. They they the defense can't touch anybody. They're in shorts. The linemen are barely doing anything. It's playing catch right now. Right, you're playing. Like, catch. Well, Do- <laughs> Dotson looks like he's 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 running some really crisp routes. Yeah, you know, if there's nobody in my way, I can run some pretty crisp routes. I look great, and and so it's just been this. It's all fluff. Yeah, that's it's, all it is. It's like it's very fluffy. <laughs> uh, so so I don't pay attention to OTAs, and then every time people are getting up in arms about, oh no, this person's not here. This person's not here. If I could make millions and millions of dollars more. Or have a chance of getting hurt. I'm just gonna not do it. It's right. optional. How many cautionary tales, even just in Washington, do you need before you say like, why does anybody do this? I mean, uh, what Re- Ruben Foster, right? Didn't he get yep. hurt in OTAs? Two, two years in a row, right? I believe that's correct. I think he. No, Gallette got two years. Well, in a row. yeah, and Junior Ruben Gallette Frost was one. Junior Gallette was Junior two Gallette years was in a the row. other guy I had. I was like, yeah. who is he? He's the guy who talks yeah. a lot. He says some crazy shit on Twitter. <laughs> uh, yeah, Junior Gallette, never, never hurting for things to say. Um, no, and there's a couple of running backs. Again, I'd have to go through history, but right. a couple of running backs. We could remember some guys knees. right now. You want to remember a guy? Just give me go a guy. Just say a guy. Oh man, I see. I always think Neil Oakowitz when I think of a guy. Yeah, but, but we okay. did Oakowitz. I know. I just love Neil Oakwood. I know. You, we can say um, him. Say another guy. I'm trying to think. Oh, man. Uh, Ricky Irvins? Sure. Great. Love it. Uh, yeah. He's well, he's more of a dude, but... he's that, Well, he... See, Dwight, where he's not... Well, he was a dude for a small period of time, yeah. while the rest of the time he was a guy. He's a, if If either or. He had, like, one or two good games. <laughs> uh, there was... I, I was on the uh, Commander subreddit this week, and someone posted a video of... Every touchdown scored by Evan Royster. I was like, that, we are, I mean, you know, kind of a local guy, like went to Penn State, but I'm just like, oh, we're remembering Evan Royster today? Like, I'm here for this. That sounds great. Like, I'm happy to remember uh, Evan Royster. We have to take a moment and remember a dude, though. Oh, let's do it. 
Brig Owens passed away today. Oh no. Yeah, Hall of Famer Brig Owens passed away at 79. That's that's very sad. Yeah. Two, but uh, the the goose passed away today too. Yeah. Oh, so did uh, one Tony of the line, uh, one of the current linebackers from the Ravens also passed away. Oh man. I have tough, to remember, get his name. Tough day. Yeah. Bad day. Bad day. Um, bad day. Anyway. I'm, Oh, let, let, so let's let's hop sad. back into Commanders. Yeah, so that yeah, went, yeah. Off, that went off the rails a little talk. bit. Um, but so, so let's. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Sure. Right now, yep. we are kind of caught in this horrible pattern where we have really good players and we just don't pay them. What's going on with Terry McLaurin? Yeah, I mean, you you said it well in that like. He has no incentive to be there. Um, I I see Terry McLaurin as a case where if he were in a more stable set of circumstances, he really could establish... Like, he's got the skills to establish himself as probably a top 10, if not top 7-ish type guy in the league. But, like, when you think about who has thrown him the ball before... It's it's it ain't it's nothing, right? Like he hasn't he hasn't had a top half of the league quarterback throwing him the football at any point. And he still has found a way yep. despite drawing double teams, despite basically being the only viable receiving option to really impress uh when he's been given the opportunity. And you know Right now, it, it sort of it cuts both ways in terms of the, like, it doesn't matter that he's not there. I am I am frustrated that uh, they haven't worked something out. And I find that the longer these types of things linger, the greater the potential that they have, like, ramifications from a relationship standpoint down the line you know Washington has done this before we saw it I mean this is like an extreme case but like we saw it with Trent Williams we saw it with Brandon Sheriff that was that you know very Kirk recently. Cousins Kirk Cousins right these guys were like there is a line between the normal course of business right negotiations happen and it's not just a football thing like if you're not negotiating your salary it's time for salary tips. Like, can't hurt to ask, right? You got to go in there. You have a plan. You ask for more money. You ask for a better vacation, whatever. You know, and it's like, it's a little bit different when you're talking about the NFL. But some amount of this is normal course of business. And my hope is that it doesn't get beyond what constitutes a normal course of business. And they're able to come to some sort of resolution. I am not in a place just yet where I'm panicked because as very much as it is optional for Terry McLaurin to not show up to OTAs right now, you know, if he was under contract, he could within his rights, they are optional. The O is the O is the operative piece. He could not show up. I think it is the, because he has been so good and like he has truly, proven to be a success story like a homegrown success story people are really really nervous that they're going to screw this up and if you're nervous i don't blame you because 
They have shown that they are very good at screwing it up when given the opportunity to. So in terms of like nerves out of 10, I'm probably at a 4. Like I'm on the negative side of medium, but if this goes on another month, that's when that number starts to tick up for me. Mine's already ticked up. I'm already at 6-7, just so you know. And I'm kind of using the history, but here, here's where I, I'm kind of watching what's going on. Uh, Ron Rivera is one who kind of starts this. He he does the personnel, so he's one working it. He well, gets a they budget. Also, you know, they have Martin Mayhew. They have you know other folks. But yeah, he gets a budget. Yeah, like from Mayhew, ultimately, but ultimately yeah. yes, Ron Rivera. It's is Ron's decision. Critically now, involved in personnel decisions. Yes. Over recent years, Washington has been kind of cheap. For years and years and years, we paid too much money for ridiculous people. Yeah. Now we have good people, and we're not spending our money on them. And in this case, they said they they made a comment that they had put down a a contract towards Terry McLaurin. They were expecting him to sign it before the end of training camp. That didn't happen. Then they said, "Oh, we're going to make a competitive offer." They've said those words before. When we found out the competitive offer was a low ball offer. For them, it was competitive, so they could say to us fans, it's a competitive offer. Sure. We tried to pay him. No, you didn't. You tried to make an offer, and you low-balled him. It's less than he deserves more. The other end that I have a problem with, and one I'm getting worried about, is how much the press was pushed to watch the new receiver that they drafted. Yeah, and how much there's – yeah. And when they look talk about Dotson, it's like – He's such a good receiver. Look at oh, he's doing this. He's doing this. He's doing this. They're putting this great focalness on him, and then with him with Wentz, they're saying how great they are as a team. With that being said, they're even t- they're barely even talking about uh, Samuels. But so the, all this focus on him makes me think what they're going to do is come back later to us as fans and go, "Hey guys, we know Terry's really good. We made a competitive offer. He didn't take it." But look at the new car we sure. got. Of course. And they're going to do this whole PR thing. And that's why I'm at 6-7 because I'm like, they're going to find a way not to pay the man. And Terry has proven as a player, as a teammate, as a member of the community, as a human being, he deserves to get paid. And he deserves to be where he wants to be. And we deserve to need to play, pay him in the top five to seven receivers in the league. And if they had paid him a year ago, they would have saved a ton of money. They would have. But yeah. now they're, yeah. You know, look, as it relates to professional sports, the push and pull between players and owners is a tale as old as time. Um, I have not finished, but have watched most of the Ken Burns baseball documentary series that he put out um, in the late 90s and then supplemented in the 2000s and you know you can go back to the early you know Kennesaw Mountain Landis like just like the labor and ownership are invariably just going to be at odds and some amount of it is um it's a battle of hearts and minds so you're right in that like well ownership is both trying to prop prop up their guys but at the same time like at the same you know exact in the exact same time trying to extract as much value as they can it's very it's it's transactional um and so there is a 
really challenging push-pull on the business side of things that I think is hard um, from a fan perspective. And, you know, like, look, fans in 2022 are very different than they were in 2010, were different than they were in 2000. I think the focus on today's fan is like, you know, fantasy football is so prevalent in the culture, the the sta- the statistics, the analytics. Like, fans are much savvier uh, about the game that they're watching, and you know, maybe some of that has to do with gambling. And we've sort of talked about this in the past, but I think that makes, in many ways, the stakes higher because there are so many people who can believe that they could do the job that like oh well I put together a fantasy team and I won you know 500 500 bucks last year off my buddies like we were all drunk at the draft <laughs> like you know congratulations yeah. you're not a GM no also <laughs> neither of us won our fantasy league we both I think got our butts kicked uh last year I was uh not very good no but <laughs> so but I, I still think you're right. Pay though. the man. You're right. I think I don't. I, anybody who says that he's not worth it, like doesn't isn't paying attention, doesn't know what they're talking about, is like kind of getting uh, like GM pilled. It's like, yeah, it's not your money that you're trying to not spend, right? Like if you have good and fun players that make the experience of watching your team better. You want those guys. Like, it doesn't really matter. Like, you want to have a guy. You want to have guys like that where it's, like, good and fun to watch them. Obviously, you want them to be good people. Obviously, you want them to be, you know, upstanding and in the community and all that other stuff. But, like, at the end of the day, you you just – you want the experience, like, you, you know, they uh, – you, you want the experience to be something that is a worthwhile investment of your time. And, you know – so yes, I completely understand where you're coming from, and I I would not begrudge you that that six seven eight on uh, the the panic meter and the McLaurin meter. Um, I they have given me no reason to give them the benefit of the doubt to think that they're going to figure it out. But like at this, maybe it's just at this moment in time, like I don't have the emotional bandwidth <laughs> to get too wrapped yeah. up in it. Um, but I will for sure. If things go on much longer, no, like if, oh, I will. If if by training camp he's not signed, yeah, we got to. Oh, here we go. Him. Yep. So you're not paying much attention. So McLaurin is, I guess, the big thing. You know, McLaurin's the, the, a big the, thing. The OTAs, OTAs I, again, OTAs is just rah 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 stuff. Like no, nothing big over the top. And um, you know, again, I will care about watching these players at training camp yeah. and seeing what they can actually do. But I was also disappointed to find out they're not going back to Richmond. They're going back to Ashburn. And so, so you can't just go anymore. Now you have to be part of like a raffle to get an opportunity to go to training camp. So we're back into that whole rigmarole. You ever go to training dodged camp? for a few years. I, I went to Richmond a couple times. Did you really? Yeah, it was a good time. I love Richmond. Richmond's one of my favorite cities. Richmond was great. The people were great. Uh, the Flying Squirrels had a stadium over there too. Yeah, sure. But the facility was great. Like it was awesome. Easy to get to, easy parking. We went fan day, like everything's interactive. The problem with Ashburn is, is that it's not those things. No. It's not built for that. No, I went back in the day, like when I was like the, the maybe the first year or so when I started tra- 
charging people to go. So oh, like, we're talking God. like 2002, 2003. Yeah. And I, I had a great time. Um, you know, I was a, a literal child, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just... Now is kind of supposed to be the time of the year where you get to sort of like do the fun, goofy, hypothetical stuff. And I know, um, you know, maybe not our most uplifting episode of the Cult of Cult podcast that we ever had. Um, I suppose we could go out on a slightly more optimistic note or we can try to. Uh, Let, let's try. Let's try. Let's get a little like a little, little pizzazz. All right. Give me just give me. Give me the one thing, and it can really be one. It can be more than one if you feel like. Give me the one thing that you are most looking forward to as it relates to the Washington Commanders. You know what I'm actually – and this is going to sound absolutely insane say, when I say this. Yeah. I am looking forward to Carson Wentz's arm. Okay. Because the guy can throw a damn ball. Sure. And I think he – if he realizes this is his last shot, here we go. He's got a ball like he, out. He's going to ball out. Now, again, he has to. his problem his problem was when he tried to ball out before, he'd make poor decisions. Going left-hand throws, things like that. But the, I don't mind if you make mistakes because you're trying. And I think he's going to try. And if he has a good receiver core, if he has a good running back core, and that line stays okay, I'm excited about Carson Wentz's arm, it's its a cannon, and it's something that we could use. As much as I love Heineke, he didn't have a cannon, but he was creative as hell. He had a lot of heart. So that's what excites me is just that opportunity to have someone who has proven to be a top-half quarterback that we've not had in a couple in a while. I think Possibly that, have. Yeah, I think that that is a perfectly reasonable thing to be excited about. What about you? Anything you're you're kind of like, I, I I'm excited. Like this is for this season, 2022. I am I'm excited to have the Washington Commanders do or see this. You know, I am. Um, I just like. It all kind of ties back in to our our namesake for us. I am excited about the the like the Mason Brennan guys like yeah. the guys who are at the the fringes on the roster who like there's always someone someone or someones who make the team or makes a splash in camp where you can get kind of like just like over the top silly excited for what you think they might be even if you know there there's no there's no shot um and so he's a third person wearing 45 on the field yeah. like you know he's you know he's not going to make it but damn he's he's fun yeah it's it's bad news for you if your number is assigned to someone else too <laughs> uh but learning about those guys like figuring out like who's fun who's like who's good on Twitter, like who's a who's a personality, like who's got a ton of fire that um, you're you maybe maybe got overlooked that got drafted sort of late in the in the draft shows a little bit of something that gives you kind of that excitement. Like maybe they're just a special teams guy, but like maybe (laughs) 
you know, they end up getting an opportunity to to come together and and fight their way to a, a starting role due to injury, like you know, whatever the case may be. I am I that for me, year in and year out, reliably is the most fun that I think that this team has offered routinely. Um, Absolutely. So I, I'm really eager to kind of get to that part of the year um, and see kind of see where it leads. Like who will it be? And obviously Hogshaven, the home of the Mason Brennan award, there will be a guy. We will follow them. Um, You know, when you look sort of at the late round, draftees i mean there may be some undrafted free agents you know we're already hearing things about those are my favorite cole turner tight end nebraska maybe he'll be the mason brennan you know chris paul not the point guard uh the offensive guard (laughs) from from tulsa uh christian holmes the cornerback seventh round drafter uh draft pick at uh, oklahoma state you know i am personally um pretty excited to see what Sam Howell looks like hucking the ball yeah. around out of camp. Absolutely. Right. So it, is, it, it, people said a lot of great things about him. We may have just finally got a, a good draft pick that uh, kind of fell in our lap. Diamond in the rough. That would be great. You know, like that, that's fun. That's what I'm looking most yeah. forward to. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm cautiously optimistic like that. That's always going to be there. Um, and so we're going to, we're going to be ready for, for that when the time comes. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about football. Yeah. That's what I'm excited about. Yeah. And uh, we got five weeks before football hits. Yeah. So hopefully between then and now, we can have a conversation. That's right. Yeah, the will. conversation gets good, and we start talking about these guys we want to see on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, until next time, Gumby, this has been a pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate you giving us a little nudge to get back on the ones and twos here on the Cult to Cult podcast which is produced and edited by me, Brian Savvy, and my co-host and director of social media, the Twitter account that drives this podcast. That's Gumby. You can follow The Cult of Cold on Twitter at The Cult of Cold. That's all one word. And we're also on Untapped still, uh, at Stabby and at Cumberland Jr. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify by searching Hogshaven, a Washington football team podcast. Still inexplicably got to change that. Maybe. I don't know. We ask, though, always, every time around, we ask you the same thing. If you like what you've heard, three simple things that you can do. You can subscribe, you can rate us five stars, and you can encourage just one friend to check us out. It does make a huge impact on our ability to reach new listeners. We know that your listening time is valuable. We appreciate you taking your time to spend it with us here on The Cult of Colts.